0: All right, you guys ready for the word? I feel like I already preached. So I have this story. Can I share this story with you? Don't say no. Come on. Yeah, I'm going to share the story. 1940s, World War II's ended. Two evangelists, American evangelists overseas... They're ministering in Europe right after the Nazi Holocaust. We'll call one of the names Charles. Actually, that was his name. His name's Charles. He's an evangelist. This evangelist was just reaching the masses. I mean, he was your prototypical pastor, preacher. I mean, people were were coming by the droves to hear him speak. And the other one, who I will get to in a second, wasn't really the headliner. He wasn't the main attraction. Charles would have been the main attraction. Now, obviously Jesus is the main attraction, but in terms of, well, he would be considered like the Joel Osteen of his day, the largest church in America, that kind of thing. So a lot of cool things were happening, but something happened to Charles. Something happened to Charles. He began to doubt. He began to doubt some of his faith. He began to doubt the very Bible, that he preached. Now think about this, folks. He's preaching the Word of God. People are coming to Christ in droves. And every night, he's going home doubting what this Word says. Imagine the internal conflict that he was facing at that time. Well, after a series of events, he talked to his friend. And at some point, he just could not live that life anymore. And he walked away from the things of God, only to become one of the more revered atheists of his day. Would you say that Charles finished strong? No. In fact, he died an atheist, and his name was Charles Templeton. He was uh, written about in a book called The Case for Faith by an author named Lee Strobel. He was interviewed by him, and to the very end, he questioned the very Bible and the truths in it. Now, his friend faced some tests along the way, too. His friend uh, began to hear the questions that Charles had. And as they worked out the process, every time he was challenged with some of these attacks on the, the Bible and in his faith, this person would say, but the Bible says. The Bible says. No, 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 no. The, the Bible says. And, and over time, as this person, Charles, grew more and more bitter, and angry, you could see the fruit of his life. It was it was an abyss, folks. The other person, his life grew happier and bore more fruit than perhaps any evangelist in the ninth or the twentieth century. His name was Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Billy Graham was not the headliner, but at that time. But I'll tell you what Billy Graham was. Billy Graham was all in, Billy Graham was faithful. And that fruit of the Spirit that was birthed in him, he talks about, you can read the story of Billy Graham and how he, he had challenges and crises to his faith, but he would hear for every, for every earthquake, for every, for every disaster, he would have a story to counteract. But the Bible says, the Bible says, and this person got healed. Yeah, but this person died, but this person got healed. And there's that tension. And folks, at the end of the day, to be all in, it has to be three words, the Bible says. and I'd add three. Jesus loves me. You can't rationalize that. You can't intellectualize that. See, what happened to Charles Templeton is that he began to get a a head full of of garbage and and humanistic soup in here, and he entertained that. He didn't realize that this word here is an organic love letter written from the very hand of God to you and me. Life-changing if you receive it. The question I'm going to have for you today, are you all in? Are you all in? Okay. Now, I'm going to challenge you guys today. And, you know, at first I was thinking, okay, how do, I, how do you want me to preach this, Lord? Because I can tell you at first how I wanted to preach this. I wanted to preach this, and I wanted to nail you with statistics, which I can tell you, and I, I might do that. Lord said, You go down that road, you're not preaching my word. (laughs) I'm not going to beat you up about some of the mistakes and the fact that maybe some areas that you're unfaithful in, but I will challenge you to take an honest look and ask the question in each area of your life Am I all in? Fair? Can I hit you with some hard truth today? Can I do it in love? Because I'll tell you, at the end of the day, I want to hear more stories. It, is, it breaks my heart to see ma- families implode. It breaks my heart to see people struggling day to day to make ends meet. And I hate seeing the, the pain in people's lives. And I think, Lord, can we just get them to you? But I realized... I'm not responsible for making you drink. I'm just responsible for leading you to the water. Now I'm free. Amen. So now I can be all in, preach this, and your response has nothing to do with me. Amen. I'm going to preach it with love and compassion. All in. Are we all in? I don't want to finish up like Charles Templeton. I want I don't want to become so smart and think I know all the answers when it takes more faith to believe what Charles Templeton believes than to what Billy Graham believes. And at the end of the day, Billy Graham lived a fruitful, happy, joyous life. I so desperately want that for you guys. So we're in a series called Nine, and we've been touching on some of the the key fruits of the Spirit. Uh, The Lord has... I was was asking him, how do you want me to preach this? Do you just want me to go through each one, all nine of them? And the way he's kind of jumbled that up in my brain is, you know, you're going to talk about love last week. You're going to talk about the internal war that goes on between the flesh and the spirit. That was the first week. This week, he said, ask them if they're all in. I said, yes, sir. And that's the way the sermon evolved. Galatians 5.22 is our master text. And here it is. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law so faithfulness is the one i want to camp on today um and what is faithful you know what is what defines faithful now i mentioned those statistics now can i just enlighten you with some of the, the bare bones facts of where america is today but would we agree that and i'm asking you to agree with me on this is whatever the statistics are today can we agree that that can change So here's the cold, hard facts, cold, hard facts in America today, only 38.5% will actually visit a church today. That's in the average throughout the, throughout the United States on any given Sunday. Now I would also challenge that that's worse, especially if you're in Wisconsin, because we get three minutes of sun, uh, we get three minutes of sun. And so most people are out using two minutes of those. Uh, away from church. And and I'm not going to, I do not, my heart does not want to beat up on people who have a vacation. Hallelujah, you need it. What I'm saying is developing a culture of faithfulness. And I believe the number one thing that needs to happen is, is that here we have the world's greatest product to sell, and we've packaged it wrong. We're telling people to come to church (laughs) to fix them. All your problems will be fixed. Wrong way to sell it. Tell them to come to Jesus <laughs> and then he'll deal with their problems. Hello? So when I preach all in, I'm not talking about being all in to life church. I'm not talking about being all in to a religion. I'm talking about being all in to a relationship with the King of Kings. Let's establish that number 1. Out of that It becomes, instead of a have-to, legalistic, five-step formula to to change, it becomes an organic thing where Jesus Christ himself will turn your have-tos into want-to. All of a sudden, instead of being a person who has to tithe or has to pray or has to show up at church, do you realize that all of a sudden, everything about you will change just like that? The question is, have you made a decision? It's like looking over a pool and saying, I'm going to jump in that pool, but until you jump in, you're just thinking about it. Am I in the pool? How many of you like to work out? There's some honest people in here. So, a couple of years ago, I did this program called P90X. Woo! Wow! <laughs> yeah. Do your best, forget the rest. <laughs> I love Tony Horton, but, uh, okay. So I'm doing this thing. All right. Now at the time, folks, now here's the deal. At the time I was probably, my body fat was probably at 35%, which at the time that's, that's not real good. And I hadn't worked out in years. I was stressed out to the max and I was in ministry. And how many understand that, that being a pastor, you're not always floating on glory clouds all the time, praying all the time. I mean, you, hello, I mean, real problems, right? so, so, I mean, I had my brother-in-law, he calls me up, he says, man, I'm starting this thing, this P90X thing, this was a couple years ago. I said, tell me about it. Pain. (laughs) Painful. That's a great sell, man. (laughs) I'm all in. But you know what? I realized that what I had been doing, I was going to continue to get the same result over and over again unless something changed. So I made a decision to try it. Let me tell you, the first week I could barely walk painful. They had me doing this yoga stuff. I mean, I'm like this, I'm spread out. I have muscles in places I didn't know God created. I mean, it was ridiculous. But over time, um, as I kept doing it, eating right, I noticed something, man, I was sleeping better. I didn't have neck and back pain as much. I mean, I this sounds simple, but I made a decision. Amen. And once I made that decision, all of a sudden, all the pain that I saw initially about making life change in all of a sudden, After about a month or two of doing this, I started seeing results. Say results. If you want results, you got to jump in. I'll just let that one marinate for a little bit. Now, as it it evolved, I didn't do P90X the whole time. I mean, if you do that all the time... You'll have, like, you, you'll shrivel up probably. <laughs> no, but I'd still, I go, it, what it did, it created a lifestyle change. I go to the Y, I eat better, I, I lost a lot of weight, and you know what? I just feel better. And I thought, man, what a perfect illustration. And here's the thing here's the thing that really hit me I had someone pushing me. I didn't do it alone, I had a friend who brought me to work out together. I thought, what an illustration of why it's important to come to church. Because we've been selling it, come to church, follow the rules. What I'm saying is, you want to change your life, come bring a friend and watch God work in your life. There's a reason why the Bible says, don't forsake the assembly together. Because we push each other. Amen? It's a good workout program, spiritually. And so, I think a lot of times we get, we get caught up in, in, okay, well, it's like we're, we're running around our problems and the answer is right here, but we don't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear pain was coming. This could be a tough change. Things, attitudes, behaviors are going to change. Well worth it, though. So here's what I want to start with, Matthew 25, verse 14, the parable of the talents. Jesus is talking here. And it says in verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants, delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Here's the key part. To each according to his own ability. Too many people look at too many others and say, I want what they have, but I'm not willing to pay the price to get it well, gee whiz, I want to be a pastor someday. Great. Serve in life, kids. Wipe snotty noses. Learn how to take out the trash at your house. And maybe God can use you (laughs) in the pulpit. Are you getting this? Service. Okay. But, and I'm going to get to about these little things here a little bit but the kingdom of heaven, we all have different gifts. We have different talents, different abilities. The worst thing in the world that you can do is start to look at somebody else who has a gift here. Uh, they're good at sports or they're good at, they're good at math or, 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 you know what that that they seem like that they have it all together. And, and so I start comparing my checkbook with him or, or my, my income compared to them. And do you realize that that is a ditch waiting to happen? And when you do that, Because all God's interested in is what he's given you. What are you good at? There's a thought. Think about this now. What talents has he given you? And here's the next question. Am I using that gift, that talent, because you're multi-talented, all of you, whether you think so or not, you are, am I leveraging that for the kingdom of God? Think about that. Now watch what God has to say about that. Because I will tell you that not enough, or I don't have enough, or I'm not talented enough, Jesus isn't, he's not open to our excuses. Gideon was the least in the smallest clan, in the smallest family, in the tribe of Israel. And by the grace of Jesus, with 300 guys, whipped the army of Midian. David, with five smooth stones, one sling, and an incredible faith in God, whipped Goliath. Samson took out an army with a jawbone. Are you guys getting this? Five loaves Maybe it's five loaves and a couple of fish. Fed 5,000 people. Why? Because Jesus was involved. We sing nothing is impossible with God, correct? Why do we limit him? And why, more importantly, why don't we cooperate with that? And see, so instead of beating you up and saying, you need to be faithful, you need to be faithful, God's saying, I'm faithful, just come to me. You ever heard it preached this way a little bit? Because here's the, here's the reality, my flesh does not want to be faithful. I see Dunkin' Donuts, I want 500 of them. I have no discipline whatsoever of my flesh. Some of you donut eaters here know what I'm saying. Never met a Krispy Kreme I didn't like. So let's get into the talents. Matthew 25, verse 16, he says, Then he had who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Very good. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also, but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Not good. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of you want to hear that? Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He who also received two talents came and said, Lord, you deliver me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now notice different talents, different amount of talents. But you notice there's a reason why that response was exactly the same. And that's so it could tell you and I that when we do what God asked us to do, guess what he's going to say? Well done. Exactly. So verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Camp on that because that's his perception. Reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent. Whose talent? In the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But for him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. I want you to think about this one thing. The viewpoint of the servant is key. The two that multiplied their talents viewed their Lord in a different way, I would challenge, than the one who hit it. The one who hit it said in his very words, you're a taskmaster. Your view of the Lord will determine what you do with your kingdom investment. Can I get a witness? If you view Jesus as a taskmaster with a bunch of rules that you can't follow them all perfectly, if you view him that way, you will eventually will do what Charles Templeton did. That's the end game, because at the end of the day, no man can serve two masters. That's what the Bible says. But now here's the other side, okay? The two guys that invested their money, they took a risk, but they used what they were given for the kingdom of God, and they multiplied it. And if you read the Bible from cover to finish, do you understand that Jesus is all about multiplication? Be fruitful, multiply. Be fruitful, multiply. It's everywhere, everywhere. He had 12, then 72, then 400. Are you guys understanding that God wants us to bear fruit and he'll multiply? Give him what you have with five loaves and a couple of fish and I'll feed 5,000. Not including women women and children. Not that there's anything against women and children, but they were were only counting the men in that scripture. So he probably fed like 15,000. That one was free. So (laughs) faithfulness is rewarded. Now, what stops people from being faithful? Well, first of all, I told you, first of all, their mindset about who God is... We're selling all the things we shouldn't do, and, and, and if you don't, you're going to be cursed. And, and what we should be saying is, do you see how good Jesus is? Lift up Jesus. He's easy to be faithful to when you understand how good he is. This is revelation for some of you. But we don't because we're apathetic or we have a fear of commitment or a fear of failure. I mentioned that our, our culture is increasingly noncommittal. Um I did the math on that. So 52 Sundays in a year, 52 Sundays in a year. If it's 38.5%, you're looking at under 20 times a year that an average church attender, these are people that would say they're faithful to a church. They come 19.5 times a year. Now, now here's what concerns me. It's not so much about being legalistic. I have to be there every Sunday. I'm not saying that, folks. Hear me very clearly. I'm not saying that, but get this, get this. The enemy is not taking a Sunday off to jack you up. I need you. You need me. And we need to do this together. It is that important. It is a matter of, and I'm going to be a little dramatic here, it is a matter of life and death. I need our life kids. We have people week in, week out, Pastor Lori... Uh, parents are buying in here. We have faithful people. The parents, I've asked them, I said, listen, we need you about four every five weeks. Just if you're a parent, help sow into that ministry. And then when the parents go back there, they see the stuff that we're giving to their kids. They see it. They go, oh my gosh, we're engaging our kids now. That doesn't happen without strategic volunteers. Amen? Amen. Look at the big picture. It's not about just church attendance. I want you to see that if you are only to come 19.5 times out of 52 weeks a year, you're missing 20 to 25 messages on a variety of subjects and the people that you can do life with together on. Now you don't have those tools in your arsenal when the enemy's pounding on you 24-7. That is what we need to be telling people. Church is giving life. If you think that church is full of hypocrites, you're right, and I'm the chief. Because I do do some things that I don't always want to do. And I do, even when I do preach a message like this, you know what? Sometimes I do miss it. Let's be real with people. But I know what God is faithful. He's faithful to help show me my areas of deficiency and create as a fruit faithfulness. Say I am faithful. I am faith. Amen. So again, I'm not trying to be legalistic, but you know what? I mean, I, I will. Ch- I will say this: if you know, summers here can escape. Now I'm going to step. I'm in a little bit of irritation here. Okay, can I? What if I just took off for summer? We'll see you next fall. Well, you know, summers are good. We get five minutes of summer here, and the boats look really nice, and the cottages up north, and. What if everybody had that? Let me change your mind. Let me change your paradigm like that. If you don't invest in the kingdom of God, here's here's what I want you to see. Follow it all the way through. One week can become three weeks, become five weeks, become eight weeks. All of a sudden you're fighting. You're getting upset with your wife. You can't even enjoy the cottage that you go to every summer and pretty soon you're in divorce court. Hello? Now, I'm not not trying to be overdramatic, but I'm just saying, you see how subtle these little choices can be? Oh, I don't want to be there on Sunday. It's a bad time for me. 10 a.m. is terrible. I want to be there at 8. Life Church doesn't offer aid, but then they don't go to any church, and that's sad because we have something. We have the greatest gift on earth. Am I being too mean? I'm just trying to be real. I'm trying to show you why church matters, okay? That's all, but it's not even just church. Understand, you're not being faithful to me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus being faithful to him because he's faithful. You know what I've seen time and again, folks? I've seen this. People put God first. They do it. They they do what he says. They may sell a boat, but God will bring them two boats if they get the priorities straight. Well, you give up something and you get something in return. You know what? I gave up a nice little career. I'll tell you what. I wouldn't trade that career in broadcast journalism for anything because I have you guys. You guys energize me. You inspire me. You help me to become all that God wants me to be. I need you, but you need me. prioritize our people. You know what? This is another one that's sad, and this does not apply. And let me say this too. Church attendance and volunteerism at Life Church is not indicative of the, of the overall church in Wisconsin. I know some of you need to step up your game, but I'm talking pretty much, for the most part, we have very faithful people here. Will you receive that? We really do. So I'm, uh, but, but yet there's areas in our lives, whether it be stewardship. I mean, I've I read this stat. I couldn't believe it. 5% of America tithes, 5%. 5%. And look at what our budgeting is getting us. So here's a challenge. Do it God's way. I hear pastors. I know four or five of them here in town. I talk to them all the time. And, you know, this this issue comes up, the faithfulness uh, and, and, and buy-in and, and, and trying to get people to fund the vision. And I just told them, I said, I have no interest in trying to manipulate or connive or, or whatever. I refuse to, I will not beg for Jesus. I will simply, here's, here's the plan. Here's what God says. Here's his word. And I've watched it work time and again. But if you're not faithful in your finances, I'm going to stick you on this one. It's going to hurt on the other end. But I'll tell you what, in debt up to my eyeballs, 10 years ago, I heard Pastor Arnie preach that message, and it so irritated me, I darn near walked out of the church. Remember we talked about P90X and pain? Hanging in there, day in, day out, day in, day out, even when my, my head was screaming, don't, 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 don't. My spirit said, yes, 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 and I got raised after raise after raise after raise. But I had to fight through the debt and the pain and the voice vultures in my head saying, screaming at me, don't do it. Is this tracking with anybody here? God didn't call us folks to be comfortable. He called us to be faithful. Comfort is not always going to be there. Faithfulness and His faithfulness will be even when we are not faithful. I got on a little bit of a soapbox there, but I think the Lord wanted me to hit that one. You know, another thing that does bother me, but I understand it because people are looking for shepherding, but I have to tell you, it bothers me that people church hop. They hop from church to church. You know that one out of six people who are in a church today have church hopped. Now I'm not talking about somebody that hasn't I'm talking about habitual you know, I like their worship, but I don't really care for Pastor Ryan because he's mean. Uh, I, like, I like their Sunday school, but I don't are you guys understand what I'm saying? And they just go from church to church. And throughout the course of a calendar year, they get grounded nowhere. There's no accountability. I'm not talking about the kind where you're searching for a church. Does that that make myself clear on that? I'm talking about just church hopping just because I don't want to be accountable. But I love the feel-good stuff. But you know what? Don't Don't talk to me about tithing. Don't talk to me about serving. It's all about me because it's me, church. It's all about me. I do have a hint of sarcasm that the Lord has to deal with me on occasionally. Sorry, Lord. That was flesh. That was not the Holy Spirit. Here's the challenge. What would happen if you came to church? Now, just hear me out on this. What what would happen if you came to church 45 times? You didn't forsake the assembly. You came 45 times a year. You strategically, like you do with your budget and everything else, you looked at your calendar and you said, church, church, church. There's a few sick days thrown in there. But if you come to Life Church you might get healed. Amen. What would happen? Lay down the gauntlet. Not in a legalistic ways guys. I'm preaching grace here. This is a grace-filled church. But I'm saying I want you to win. What if you strategically did like you do with your budget, do 40 40. Hey, that's 75%. We're doubling the US population. Come 40 to 50 times a year. What if you committed to a life group for just one trimester? What if you committed to serving back there in Life Kids? You know what? Uh, God is true to his word. He says if you 're faithful in little things he 'll give you more in the kingdom and I can remember I mean Pastor Laurie and I joked about this, uh, you know, but ten years ago, when I first came back to the things of God, I had had my uh, Amarissa was our first first child, and uh, they needed workers back there well i 'm going to tell you i don 't like wiping <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the fire hose guy, you know. But you know what? I did it. I wound up talking to people there. I got to know different dads and moms back there serving. It got me closer to the people I was serving with, okay? I did that first season. I worked in the youth groups. And when we moved, I, 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 you know, when we moved to Minneapolis, I worked for the ABC affiliate there covering the Vikings. Sorry, that was only three years of bad judgment. I worked in a church out there, but God used my poor decision, and I ministered to people on the streets doing street evangelism. Let me tell you about commitment. I gave somebody my word. I said, I will be there twice a month. I'll go to North Minneapolis where people are rolling drugs, (laughs) for lack of a better. I had a guy I went up to, witnessed to, he was rolling it like this, about ready to smoke it, and I said, you know, you can get a better high. My point is, though, there were some wintry nights. I'm going to tell you, I committed. They went out on the streets, and I'm not kidding, in Hennepin, in Hennepin Avenue, downtown Minneapolis. We went out there, sub 30 degrees, below 30. And we'd dart in and out of the buildings and catch people and this and that. Because God called me for that ministry for that season, I would do it twice a month, regardless of weather, because I committed. And God honored that. He also taught me stuff, and it robbed me. If I hadn't have gone through that, I wouldn't have learned compassion for people. You know, we have to get out of our box. Serving isn't always fun. It's not always glamorous. It's not, being all in isn't always easy. And I'm not going to lie to you. You will have struggles here. If you are a Christ follower, here's, 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 here's the truth. The enemy will step up his game to try to take you out, but Jesus is greater than our enemy. He'll take you through the fire faithfulness are we all in i had a few other scriptures but i think the lord wanted me to hit on that here's an axiom of truth i want you to write down if you have a pen i'll even read it twice our heart defines our actions our actions display our commitment our commitment shows our priority our priority determines our destiny let me, let, me, let me say that again. Our heart defines our actions. Our actions display our commitment. Our commitment shows our priority. Our priority determines our destiny. Changing priorities is hard. And I want to close with two examples from Scripture. You don't have to turn in your Bibles, but I want to close with this. How many of you know the story of Peter in the Nets? When they went out, okay. I want to paint a picture here of the scene. So Peter, the disciple of Jesus, they're out cleaning their nets. Jesus has burst on the scene. They know who he is. And he's cleaning the nets. And Jesus says, hey man, I need your boat. The first right decision that Peter made in that situation was he said, okay. Translation, when Jesus is talking to you, Need your boat? What are you going to say? Test number one. Test number two. Peter, I'm done preaching. Launch out into the deep. Well, Jesus, you know, really, uh, this time of day, the fish aren't in the deep. They're in the shallows. You know, we are professional fishermen. We know what we're doing. Because rational sense would say don't do that. But nevertheless I'll do it, and he did. <laughs> then the nets <laughs> they they launch a net, not a net's but net <laughs> he said nets, but they launched a net because if they had launched more, they might have caught more. But they launched a net and the net broke. <laughs> and, and and here's the thing about the thing about God that even through his grace they still had a haul of fish. You are vessels like you and I are vessels. We are not going to get through every test perfectly. Do you understand this? But God can work through us in any situation. He can work through us. If we're faithful to follow him, he can do things. What I love about the disciples is their journey was not a journey of perfection. They would hear Pastor Ryan preach and they would miss three steps, but they would get five and Jesus would get the credit and the glory, giving honor where honor is due. Amen? Second one. So the translation of that is, Jesus will not call you to always be comfortable, and he will take you places you've never seen before, and he'll take you to the deep end sometimes where it's scary or it doesn't make sense. How many know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you've had one of those experiences. You've launched out. Yeah, exactly. All right, now here's the second one. Dave, where are you? I need, some, I need some music because I, I need to hit this one. home. there he is. Thank you, Dave. Something soft and sprinkly. It had to be you. No. <laughs> one of these days, if you tolerate, I might try to sing. I sang as a little boy. I was a soprano. I can't sing. I don't sing. There's a reason I preach. I don't sing. Anyway, all right. So I close with this last story. So we talked about Peter and them being out in the deep. Now, tra- fast forward, Peter is in the boat. Big storm's there. Of course, Jesus is fast asleep. I, I still can't theologically figure out how that happened, but you know what? That's what the Bible says. He's asleep, big hurricane-like winds. So the disciples, they're there, and everybody's like, oh, you know, this is a bad storm. Oh, no, no, no. Different story. Sorry, Lord. Actually, that's a good one, too. <laughs> but all throughout the scriptures, okay, so Jesus is, he's, he's in the, they can barely make him out. And Peter looks at him and, and says, Lord, is that you? Yep, it's me. Come. And I can imagine for a second, I can imagine for a second, the disciples are looking at him like, are you going to get out of that boat? You're going to get out of that boat. And Peter, I don't know if he just did it without thinking. He's like, sure, I'm out. He's up. And all of a sudden he's walking. And it was just the dawn, the realization, oh my gosh, I'm walking on water. There's a lot of wind and waves here. And you know, for years I looked at the guys, the, the ones that were in the boat and I thought, man, what were they thinking when they watched him? You know, were they critical of him? Cause he sank. Cause if they are, they, he was the only one that walked on the water. <laughs> If you're going to walk on water, there might be people that criticize you while you're walking. And if you sink, here's the beauty of Jesus. He'll pick you up and save you anyway. Are you all in? Because that's the type of savior that we have. I'm all in, not because I follow rules, (laughs) nor will I ever follow them perfectly. I'm all in because I know the love of Jesus will never fail me, even when I fail me and you fail me. His love never fails. We preached that last week. His love never fails. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. Closing questions. Are you not all in because you don't trust God? How can you love Him if you don't trust Him? Charles Templeton couldn't answer that question. Do you love him? You can't serve a master you don't love. Do you see him as a religious taskmaster or do you see him the loving God of the universe who loved you so much it says for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus for you and I that we would have life eternal with him by calling him on his name and by receiving him not only as your savior but as your lord. Lordship means I'm all in. Heads bowed, eyes closed. How many of you would say right now, there's an area right now that I spoke about today that I'm not all in? Raise your hand. Quite a few. Here's the second question. How many of you would say, you know, Pastor Ryan, I'm all in, but I'm struggling with trusting God. Raise your hand. Quite a few. That's honest. Honest. It's the first step. Honest. Now here's what I'm going to do. Can we can we lead into Healer? I'm going to take a little extra time. Can we can we do that, Julie? Okay. We sang that song earlier, Healer. I want to know that you're just okay being at a place where you're having a hard time trusting God. But I want you to I want you to close your eyes and I want you to, to pray this prayer with me. But I don't want you to I don't want you to pray this prayer unless the Spirit of the Lord is energizing you to pray this prayer. Father, I know that you're the healer. I know you can change things and I know that relationship with you can change things. I've seen it, I've seen it time and again. And so I'm gonna lead them, Lord, in this in this prayer that I believe Will change their life. Just repeat it after me. Father in heaven, I'm all in because Jesus, you were all in 2,000 years ago on the cross, shedding your blood for my sin. I confess my sin and I give it to you. And in God's power, I consider it done. Father, I'm all in to watch you work, to heal my hurts, to heal my heart. I trust you, even when it doesn't make sense. I trust you, and I will follow you because you are faithful to me. In Jesus' name, amen.